In my recent interview with author Justin Gesso about his book, Leave the Grand Behind, we had an opportunity to explore the factors that allowed him to transform his life. Justin wrote, Leave the Grand Behind to help people that are dealing with the fears of becoming an entrepreneur. It provides the reader with tips, tools, free quizzes, and a template to assist you, the listener, in learning ways to navigate leaving your job easier. Please join me and author Justin Gesso for podcast interview 596. I hope you enjoy our interview together. Thank you. And now our host, Greg Voison. Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. And I do this all the time, Justin. I thank my listeners because without them, uh, there'd be no show. Um, we've exceeded 10 years, um, almost 600 podcasts that we um, have completed with authors from around the world. And I have an author joining me from Boulder, Colorado, and his name is Justin Gezzo, G-E-S-S-O. And the book is called Leave the Grind Behind, and it actually was an international Amazon bestseller. Um, and we're going to be speaking with Justin today. Good day to you, Justin. How are you doing? Great, Greg. Thanks for having me on. Well, I appreciate you being on Inside Personal Growth and sharing some of your insights about, you know, what makes you tick, why you wrote this, why you wrote this book, um, and everything about it. Now, you know, you were you had an MBA degree. You were, you know, clocking along. You're running some multi-million dollar companies, um, and you know, you just got tired of that whole thing. And, you know, you basically decided to venture out and take this risk. Uh, and now you're in the investment in a real estate business. Is that correct? That's what you're doing? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that's a good, good way of saying it. And, and really what that boils down to, and hopefully some people listening in can relate is, you know, as I was growing up, going to school, the way I was brought up, I think the way almost everybody is, you kind of just have this concept of a standard path we all take to success, which looks like going to school. And, you know, in my case, that was college, more college, and just kind of keep going through it. And, um, you know, you get a, get a job, something that has stability, good benefits, all that sort of stuff. And, you know, you start working hard and by virtue of doing that, you'll work your way up the, up the ladder, um, you know, have a nice house with a white picket fence and everything should take care of itself. And, um, so that's that's sort of that vision or you know mold I had in my mind growing up, and, and I think that's what most people probably have. Um, but mm -hmm. it was well, I you think also, once I oh yeah, you go ahead. also basically within one and a half years of quitting your job, you were able to double uh, your six figure income, and within two years, double the net worth. And you you right. said that you realized that repeated success in multiple business ventures you know, defying the startup failure rate. And I think it's important for our listeners to know that you've, you've also been featured in the Huffington Post, Lifehack, mm -hmm. Big Time Startups, Invest for More, Leadership Mastery Academy, and Pulse, Zapier, and more. And so you yeah. do have the cred here. You know, I think the key is, is Justin has the credibility. He's written about the principles that basically got him to where he is today. And I right. think that's the important thing. You know, now one of the things that you said, Justin, right off the bat in the intro of the book, you read about a stress event that landed you in the hospital. 
and that you <laughs> yeah. were really working hard, you were eating well, you were being healthy, all of those good things. So what was the wake-up call and, and what, you know, obviously this was a big turning point in your life. You know, what happened to you and, and why do you believe that this wake-up call um, was the one that kind of pushed you off the edge? Yeah, um, boy, and you hear that over and over, don't you? I mean, Greg, you've, you've been doing this for a while, real kind of pioneer in this in this area of of talking to folks. And I don't know, you know, as you, as you listen to people's stories, kind of over and over, you hear there's some sort of negative or bad event. It's kind of how how do you pivot after that, and what happens? What do you take from it? Um, and then, you know, part of the hopes and writing this book is maybe someone can pick it up, become inspired and, you know, maybe head down a path that's a, a little better for them and, and they get to avoid that step of, of having something bad happen. So, you know, for me, it was one of those things that was never really, you know, I thought everything was on track, like going back to what I was talking about of coming up on the standard path. And I thought I was doing really well, especially for my age in the corporate corporate world. Um, and you know, there there must have just been some underlying discord, you know, really, you know, some numerous doctors, number of things, and no one really could nail down exactly what happened apart from it was just some sort of a type event. And, you know, I, I, it allowed me to take a step back and do a lot of soul search and really figure out what was important in, in my life. And I, I quickly came to the conclusion that if I continued down the path, I was going down, that, that wasn't something I wanted from life. You know, we, I think we all have this one life to live and, and it, and doing it in a way that maybe isn't really in tune with you personally, your passions, whatever you want to call it. That's, that's not the best way, way to live. Maybe it was my body telling me that I was out of whack, out of sync with what I should be doing, or maybe it was just some, some other sort of stress event. But what I took from it is that it was an opportunity for me to really sit back and question my life and see if I was on the best path or not. And if there was a, a better way to go about it. And I think what happens to a lot of us is, you know, we, um, once we enter the job world, you go out there and you, you get a job. I mean, that's priority number one. You need, you need work, you need to get a job and then you design, design your life around it. So you've kind of taken this approach of, I need work. I need the money. Now let me figure out everything else to accommodate that. And I started thinking, what if I flip that on its head a little bit? And what if I think about the life I want, you know, design the life I want, and then figure out how work and money fits into that picture. And so it was, as I started thinking through that, I, you know, I thought, well, I'm smart enough. I've got, you know, there's enough resources with all the books and people out there talking about these things. I should be able to, you know, spend the time and put a plan together and figure out how to do do something along those lines and design the life I'm living rather than, um, you know, kind of put that life piece as a secondary component. Well, you know, you, you said in the book that the risk of staying in the grind as you were in, and you're married with a child at that time that that happened, uh, was massively greater than the risk of leaving (laughs) it behind. Right now. So there's a lot of listeners out here that are basically doing that what was called just the nine to five, right? Yeah. And you say that, hey, look, the risk of staying in that grind was massively greater than the risk of leaving it behind. What advice do you have for our listeners out there who right now, you know, are waking up every morning at 6 a.m., getting their shirt and (laughs) shoes on or their dress and their slacks or whatever, 
and they're running off to that corporate cubicle, sitting behind that computer, making phone calls and doing things in their team. And they're, they're just bored stiff. What are you, what are you going to tell them? <laughs> right. I love that question. And the reason I like it is when I talk to people who've read the book, you know, everybody picked up the book for a reason because they, you know, they're, they don't want to be there for the rest of their life. But they say, man, you know, the number one thing is the fear. What if I, you know, I've got a family, I've, I've got various things I'm supporting. I've got a house. I've, you know, built up this situation that makes it very difficult for me to go out, quit my job, go do something else. Um, and so they, they have this pretty intense fear and that fear holds them back. And, you know, I, I think, so, so the book explains the risk factor in a, in a lot of depth, but one of the easiest ways to control it and the easiest way for me was, you know, I, I talked about that this was a process. It's not like I just flipped the switch and quit my job. This is a, a several year process of me getting things in place to do this. And one of those things was I really took it upon myself to do an outstanding job at the job I had, you know, move around laterally, um, get promotions, you know, make sure I was getting exposure to all sorts of places within the company. And I was doing really well. And I was, you know, during that time, I was doing that to build my skill set so that when I quit my job, I would have things at my fingertips. Like I know, I would know about marketing and working with vendors, writing contracts, all these various skill sets that you need uh, when, when you go off and do something on your own. I was, I was taking the time to do that. Um, but while I was doing it, what was also happening is I was doing an incredible job for my employer, um, and I was making myself much more marketable. Now I have these skill sets that will allow, you know, if someone brings me on, I, I'm in great position to help them grow that company. So when I say I reduced my risk or my reduce my risk of leaving was low, what I really mean is that, you know, if I came out on my own, I quit my job, started doing my own thing. And six months later, I realized I was a total failure. I couldn't do it. <clears throat> you know, I completely torpedoed. My worst case was really going back and getting a regular job. So I figured my, my big risk, my worst case was just going back to the situation I was currently in. You know, and, and the reality mm-hmm. was, since I built those skill sets, I could probably even come in at a higher salary or you know, be in a little more of a competitive situation for what I wanted from a job. So I saw the downside of doing it is is pretty low at that point. And the, so what, the reason it was... So sh- oh, sure. Justin, what specifically, just sorry to interrupt, but I, I, I think that no. I think you, you built skill sets and a variety of them, which I think is, that's great uh, advice for those listeners. Did you also say, and okay, I'm going to set aside a certain amount of savings so if this doesn't go right or I can't make the money or whatever it is, I've got something to lean back on. Um, what did you do financially to actually get you prepared for this as well? Yeah, that, that was certainly a part of it. Um, so there was, I didn't set aside savings. Um, I, it wasn't enough to keep me afloat for if I were to do it again, I might, I might save up more. But I, I was fortunate enough to start making money pretty much right away so that, that I never had to dip into that money at all that I set aside for, you know, contingency. Um, but I certainly mm-hmm. did do that. And I think that's something that people need to look at individually, whether they want to have a three month, six months, or even like a year, year or more um, buffer to fall back upon. But the way I mitigated the financial risk was more to, you know, another big part of the book is 
mentors and, and people who can help guide you. So I really sought out people who had done what I was looking to do successfully. And I found in a lot of cases, they had areas of their business that were maybe weak or they were neglecting because they didn't have skills you know, in that area. So I could offer to help. And once I, once I quit, I was able to immediately start um, you know, sitting with, working with those mentors, but also then helping them in some capacity and you know, in exchange for money, so they they would pay me to do some task, and it, it maybe wasn't, and it, it wasn't all the money I needed, but it did give me a little bit of an immediate cushion while I started building upon my own things. So it allowed me to learn from them, but also have a little little bit of safety there as well in terms of monthly income. Now you, I I think that that's a great plan because you had a strategy, and you can tell just by the way you wrote this book that everything you did, you did kind of painstakingly with, with some strategy. Can you, you right. on page 23 of your book, you have this, um, uh, a, a chart that shows the cogs versus the grinders. And I think for the differences is, I think to explain to the listeners, the differences between these cogs and these grinders in your mind, I mean, because really what, what you're advocating is to get out of it. Don't be the cog you know, go out and (laughs) and be free, be free. And I think free from fear as well. You know, look, there's a lot of things that hold people back, but we know the biggest thing that holds people back is fear. Um, So what are the differences between these cogs and grinders? Sure. So, so there's, there's quite a, um, quite a few. And in fact, there's a, a tool out on the website and it's, you don't need to sign up for email or anything like that. You can just go out to the website, which will be linked here. Um, for the book, and I do have a quiz, and that's a great interactive way to go through this and see for yourself kind of where you line up, but also get an idea of what some of those factors are um, as you move through. But yeah, so in in the book, I have this concept of a cog, which is basically what most people are, and it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's you're working, you know, you're going through the nine to five, spending your day, day in and day out, you know, working on someone else's goals or someone else's legacy. And that might be the company, the company they built, whatever it is. But fundamentally, that effort you're putting in every day, it's, it's not really building something that will be left for you. It's, you know, you're building a company for someone else. And grinders is, is the other side of that, where you're spending your efforts and time building something that's more personal to you, um, you know, and builds your legacy. And there's a lot of different components about, about that and how you actually generate the time and money to start, you know, working on the things you want to do, whether they pan out or not. And this, this book is a great example. So I've been, you know, out of the, I've, I've not been a cog for over three years, years now. And in that time, I built up enough of the, you know, I've got enough along that, those grinder mentality things to build up some good income streams, different things like that, that have allowed me to start working on you know, things I always wanted to, like a book. I've, you know, ever since I was little, I wanted to get a book out, and so this this is a great opportunity for me to sit down, take the time, write the book, and get it published. And uh, you know, so that's an example of the freedom this sort of thing affords you. So all, a lot of those different factors come into the concept of a of a grinder. And you know, the what quiz is, is what is a grind- quiz is a good baseline. Take, yeah, what does it take, Justin, to have a a grinder mindset? I mean, you talk sure. about it in the book, and I think, I think for our listeners, you know, if they're to make the shift from a consciousness standpoint, 
they need to know what's required. And one of those, as you've talked about here, is positive mental attitude. You know, you, mm-hmm. you talk about affirmations and visualization. You talk about a lot of things. But it does take a certain mindset to be willing to meet that fear head on and move into <laughs> this uh, grinder spot, right? Absolutely. Um, and I, and what, yeah, so the book you, is broken into. Yeah. Sure. Go ahead. So the book is broken into like three main sections. And the first one is mindset. And it's, you know, it's like critical foundation. And you, you know, a lot of the guests you have on, on this show talk about mindset, um, you know, and, and, and how you can, how you can change your mind to get over those fears. And, you know, some of it comes down to, you know, really understanding what you want from life. So there's some, you know, introspective work, then there's looking at really how you set goals and, you know, part of the mindset thing is setting, you know, your three major goals that you're going to work at every single day and, you know, how you define those is done in a pretty particular manner. And then the other part of it is just believing you can actually go get this stuff done so that you can think bigger, you can overcome some of these fears. And and for that, you apply a lot of what the, uh, I have in there is the advertising industry uses on you every every day if you want if you're a tv watcher you know you're getting bombarded by messages about what they want you to do to go you know go buy stuff and that really influences behavior so i look at applying those principles back on yourself to you know really advertise to yourself through visualization affirmations the place you want to be goals you want to achieve and the person you want to become and you know over time you can really mold your mindset especially if you put those into daily habits um, pretty darn quickly. Mm-hmm. Now, we, we know the importance, and I think probably most of this listening audience knows the importance of defining purpose. And actually how I got involved in this industry many, many years ago was uh, through a, a, an author by the name of Kevin McCarthy, and it was okay. called The On-Purpose Person. And, you know, you – you talk about building this legacy and defining your purpose. What uh, did defining your purpose actually do for you professionally uh, and for you emotionally and spiritually? Yeah, uh, I mean, that, that's such a good question. And, you know, one of the ways I was looking at that is, you know, hey, every good strong company out there has a mission statement or a purpose. You know, usually they're, that's one of the first things they cover with their employees. One of the first things they shout in their advertising. And what that does is it you know, completely aligns customers, employees, everybody around this, this one direction and what this company is about. And then everything filters down from there. So your goals down to your daily actions. So um, I, I, I realized, you know, why, why don't I have that for my, my life? That just seems like an, such an obvious thing you should have if you want to go, go do something big. So having that just became like a, you know, a, a compass. And, and I think that's what you're saying. And I, once I sat down worked through some exercises by some other famous authors and things like that, and, you know, um, decided on where I wanted to go, what I wanted to do, everything else just kind of fell into place. It's, you know, it's, it's that starting point that you can line everything else in your life around. Yeah, I think it's so important because when you define that purpose, whatever your purpose statement is, and it's something you can make as a mantra for yourself, you realize the overarching reason of why you exist on this planet, you know, why you're here. 
And I think for most people out there listening, I think that gives you the guidance and direction. It's the North Star. It's the thing that uh, guides you <laughs> to the places that you want to go with passion. You have a great quote in your book from Michael Jordan, and it's, it's on page yeah. 70 of the book for, for my listeners. And um, I thought it was awesome, and I'm trying to get to that quote real quick. <laughs> I want to make sure that, that I actually give the quote because it was, uh, you know, Jordan just says it so succinctly here. And I think Doesn't for the he? listeners, yeah. yeah, what it is, is he said, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games, 26 times I've been trusted to make the game-winning shot and missed. I've failed over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed. Tell me the importance of that in setting massive goals, as you call them. Sure. Um, so, so people, the importance of it is I think people get deterred by minor mistakes that are made along the way. And, um, it's so funny you bring, bring this question up. I think this is one of my favorite ones, but you know, and, and myself included, I mean, screw up all the time. I make all, all sorts of little mistakes, but you can't see those as, as an end. You know, if someone were to ask me what my big failures in life are, I have to stop and really think despite making mistakes all the time, you know, I see those as really endpoints. Those are opportunities to move forward, grow, learn, you know, and, and just like, and, and that's not what you remember, just, just in the same way, you don't think of Michael Jordan as a failure or someone who's missed all those shots. You think of him as someone who's an absolute winner and, you know, um, took his team great places. You just easily erase those sort of things from your past as long as you learn learn from them and move on. And, and that this, this goes, you know, right in, into the mindset sort of thing. A lot of people, if you're going to do something big, just that you kind of have to accept you're going to run into a lot of naysayers, a lot of failure. You're going to fail, fail, fail again. And you need to just be able to be okay with that. See it as a learning experience, you know, and move forward. Otherwise it's going to be very easy to shrink back down and get stuck in where you were. Yeah. So important too. And I, and I think that, you know, look, adversity is part of the journey. And as yeah. long as you take those as lessons, um, you know, I say to people, are you on the goal line or are you on the learning line? And the key <laughs> here is, you know, you need to be on the learning line because every adversity that thwarts what you think should have happened is the opportunity to learn to redo something differently. Now, you actually speak about the power of visualization and tapping into the subconscious mind. And in that, you also, and it's actually one of my favorite books too, it's called The Master Key System by Charles Hanet. Mm -hmm. And you said it had a significant impact on you. Can you explain to our listeners why you recommend this book and how did it help you in achieving your goals? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so first off, I, I don't think I've run into anybody who has read that book. So, so that's good to hear. Yeah, it had a pretty big impact on me. But you know, So one of the things I always noticed is when I got stuck on a big problem, and you know, it could be a work issue, a personal issue, it didn't really matter. If I got stuck on something that I just was, you know, I, I couldn't figure out and I'd pour a lot of you know, effort and sweat into figuring it out. And then 
I, you know, you just become exhausted. You don't, you don't have the answer <clears throat> and it's bugging you. And eventually you get that big night's sleep. So maybe you, you know, you've had a couple of restless nights worrying about this problem or something like that, but then you get that good night's sleep and you wake up the next morning and you're thinking about something else. Maybe you're taking a shower or brushing your teeth, whatever it is and your mind's totally wandering off somewhere else. And, you know, right there, you get that, just that moment of inspiration and you get the answer you've been looking for. Um, so it's, it's almost all, you're not putting that direct effort into the problem. That's when you kind of free your mind up to, to, to let it put some things together. You've been, you've been chugging on and, you know, you get that little creative spark and that answer you were looking for is there. And I think all of us have had that experience where you have some of your best ideas, you know, whether it's while you're in the shower, whatever it is, but you're doing something, something else that kind of has you distracted and almost in a little bit of a dreamy state. Um, so you know, knowing that happens, I did a lot of research and read a lot of books on that topic, whether it's subconscious visualization and the two, two go together in my experience in that, you know, you, you put that real direct, you put all the information you can in through visualization, you know, closing your eyes and really thinking about the problem. And then once you've done that effectively, you kind of leave it to your subconscious to deliver something to you when you're not expecting it. And that, I mean, that just works over mm -hmm. and over and over very effectively for me. Um, and the visualization part of it is definitely a skill you need to work on and build. That's not something in my experience, most people are able to do And the book by, you know, the book you're bringing up the master key system has, it's just full of exercises that kind of gradually build up your skills in visualization. And so for me, it was just this perfect tool to, really ramp things up and be able to very quickly do the visualization part and then move on to my next, my next issue or next thing I'm dealing with. And then, you know, you know how it goes a little while later, you get the, get the sort of answer you were looking for. Well, and it's, I think visualization is really a key point. And like you said, the master key system by Charles Hanel does that, but there's, it, it even goes a little bit deeper too, because what you said about the subconscious mind is Subconscious mind is just this whole place where we store all this data that we've learned over the course yeah. of our lifetime and recalling it sometimes or recalling it in a way where the synapses fire uh, is interesting. And I learned an interesting technique just the other day from uh, uh, Stephen Kotler, uh, the author of Bold Abundance and the Rise of Superman. And he said, you know, if you're out there, and I think this would be good for my listeners as well and just add to this. If you're really trying to hack flow, you know, getting into the flow state, he says one of the best things you can do is whatever you read, read something completely opposite of it. Because the brain then basically <laughs> after you've read something, like let's say you always read self-help. Don't do that anymore. Go read a novel. Go read something different. Because then what happens is it kind of lodges this, this sequential element with inside the brain. And they've done study after study where you can actually hack uh, the aspect of having that idea come together, right? It just like, it, you know, what I call them the, the pinball machines that used to be the olden days where you'd ping off of something, someone else would ping off of something else, and you'd immediately get this great, you know, realization or aha moment, as I call them. So something you might want to try. Now, you, you say that uh, one of the things that you do is uh, and everybody should be doing this, but it's mastermind groups. It's the creation of your personal yeah. board of directions, board of directors. Um, 
how has having one of these helped you? And what would you tell our listeners about forming one? You know, some people out there might be afraid to go ask people to be on their personal board of directors. They don't even know what it's about. But talk about the mastermind <laughs> group and the personal board of directors. Sure, sure. So that's the mindset's first part of the book. Um, your network is the second part of the book. And I mean, it, it was so key. I, I got myself real spun up with the mindset stuff to the point where, yeah, this has to happen. But, you know, I, I needed a lot more than that. I, I can just quit my job based on doing some, you know, mental practices. So the next step for me was really forming a team or, you know, as I call them, a board of directors for my life. And likewise, you know, for everybody in the group, we would all all interact together. And I was I was on their board, they were on my board. And so we would, you know, really what this was about is was getting with a close group of people, you know, it could be just two other people, so three total, um, who are looking to do something big in their life, you know, something along the lines lines of what you're doing. And and when you do that, you can fuel each other's excitement, you know, discuss issues, help each other out, make some introductions. Um, you know, you're, you're just like immediately tripling your own set of connections. Um, you're getting much more input. It's it's the time to take all the stuff you've been germinating in your own head and now sort of sort of put it to the test and talk with other people about it. But it can't be just anybody. It needs to be people who are looking to do something similar, you know, so that they're supportive and, um, it, you know, and then they're going to really help you out and not hold you back in any way. Um, and, and one of the you know, one of the things I think that was most interesting about this, you know, when I was going through, and I still still do this today, um, but as we talked about some taboo topics, and money was one of them, you know, so this was a private group that we could all feel secure about what we were talking about, but we were very explicit about, you know, the money we were making, how we were making it, what our net worth looked like, all these various things, because, you know, people have that fear of losing the money. So talking about how people actually make it and what their situation looks like, you know, it's, it's really enlightening and, and really eye opening. And typically you wouldn't do that with your friends and family. You don't, you don't go up to someone and say, how much, you know, what's your salary, how much you making or any of those sort of things, how much you have saved in the bank. But if you create this safe environment, it allows you to talk about those things. And as soon as you open that, you know, that um, conversation up, you just, I think, can be absolutely shocked by what you learn and the directions you go with it. Um, and so really for all three of us in the group at the time, it was completely eye-opening and, you know, changed a lot of our of our own personal beliefs about how people are working with money um, and, and different things like that. So and money is just one example, but, you know, it's it's about, about really creating that safe environment, very supportive. And, you know, everybody has that same level of excitement. So, you know, I was very particular about who was in the group and the topics we talked about and stuff like that. Um, but that, that sort of helped push things to the next level of taking it just from something in our mind to something we started holding each other accountable to and putting, putting some action, action down. Yeah, it's such a great thing. It's, um, I know I've been in many of them over the course of my career and I have to admit, though, it, it, it sometimes is tough to keep them together because the question is, sure. you know, who is actually, who is it for, <laughs> right? And the key right. is it's got to be for everybody. Even yeah. though there's one person that usually initiates it, he's looking for the, the advice of this board of directors. I find that they can be temporary in nature. 
But don't be discouraged by that. Go out and form another one and another one and another one. Mm-hmm. And just keep doing it because, you know, sometimes people lose interest. They drop off. You know, those are the things that happen. But don't be discouraged by it. The key is to stay in community and make sure you have a place to share um, your innermost dreams and your innermost mm-hmm. desires. I think that's the key. So absolutely, Leave the Grind Behind is, is packed with action, habits, tools. And you give some free tools at the website. You got a free guide, 100 steps to quit your job in one year. You have free workshops, seven ways to achieve massive goals, bonus worksheets as well. Um, and if people want to uh, get this information, uh, we want to send them to grindbehindbook.com. Is that correct, Justin? That's right. Yep. Grindbehindbook. You also can... Obviously, we're going to put a link to Justin's book on Amazon, um, which is obviously the place where most people are buying books today. Um, You can also, there's a link at Justin's website. Um, You can also follow him. We'll have a link to his website on Facebook, on Twitter, LinkedIn to learn more about Justin himself. He gives great tips. He's got a wonderful blog, by the way, at the website as well. Um, Inside the blog, he's talking about all kinds of tips and steps and things that he's found along the way, which have helped him um, actually get to where he is in his career and almost triple his income from where he was before. Um, Now he's written this book and he's out here. You know, one thing I love about people like Justin is they're out here trying to help other people because they've helped themselves. So uh, do go up there, uh, download the PDF, the hundred steps to quit your job. Uh, it's a freebie. Um, always love these freebies because sometimes you get them and believe it or not, it can be one of those that can actually change your life. So <laughs> Justin, thanks for being on Inside Personal Growth and spending a few minutes with my listeners. Any parting words that you have for them? Absolutely. And, and so Greg, I want to I want to thank you and hopefully it came across in what I was saying, but books were a huge part of my journey. I mean, this was a as I said, the whole thing was very deliberate and planned out, and you know it's, it's worked very well. I still apply all these principles today, but you know all that came from it didn't come from when I went to school, when I got my MBA, and any of that. This all came from my own university, and I've heard you use the term, Greg, you know, university on wheels, and that's exactly what it was. So I'd listen to folks like you, find other books I could get on audio, whatever it was, and I was anytime I was in the car, I was listening to something in this space. Um, when I was back at home, I was reading something in this space. So just the value of books, what you can get out out of it. Um, it it's just, just absolutely amazing. And like you said, totally life-changing. So hopefully, you know, maybe my, my book can spark um, a little bit of creativity in folks or a little bit of inspiration that helps them move closer toward their big goals. And thanks for having me. Oh, it's been a pleasure having you on, Justin. And for my listeners, again, um, we've been on with Justin Gezzo, G-E-S-S-O, and the book is Leave the Grind Behind, Rocket Fuel, to live life on your terms, make more money, build your legacy, and quit your job. Beautiful. Thanks so much, Justin. Thank you. Thank you. 